Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, John Cantrell rejoins me on the show. Now, John is a, that's a pseudonym, just to be clear. Now, John is developing Sensei, which is a new Lightning client built up on top of BDK and LDK, BDK Bitcoin Development Kit and LDK Lightning Development Kit. And so we talk about various concepts and we also talk about this idea of child nodes and some of the trade-offs around that and the associated idea of being an Uncle Jim for your friends and family. And we also get into this idea of the Lightning Network and whether it could onboard 8 billion people and what would that look like just hypothetically. So I know this will be an interesting one for those of you interested in the Lightning Network. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the easy place to buy Bitcoin and also learn about Bitcoin. And you know, I'm working at Swan. We launched Swan Private because we've talked to so many people that had issues with the major exchanges. Some had accounts locked and customer service couldn't help them. Some couldn't onboard their accounts. Many have simply wanted to talk to an actual human being who could answer their Bitcoin questions, but they wouldn't get a reply or this just wasn't an option. Swan Private is our one-on-one Bitcoin advisory service for high net worth buyers. So our team is here to actually support you in your Bitcoin journey. So if you want to sign up, go to swanprivate.com. Lend at HODL HODL is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform, so you can lend or borrow stablecoins globally and anonymously. So if you need some liquidity and you have Bitcoin, you can sign up in just 30 seconds and borrow stablecoins without any verification. You deal directly with other people and the users control collateral together throughout the whole deal. All the interest is paid at the end. Now, on the other hand, if you have stablecoins and you want to earn some return on that, you can do this by issuing an over-collateralized loan with the full interest guaranteed. Lend at HODL HODL. Lend and borrow stable coins on your terms at your desired interest rates. There are no hidden fees and the terms and conditions are transparent. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Are you interested to get started with Bitcoin mining? Compass Mining can help. They are the world's first and largest online marketplace for Bitcoin mining, hardware, hosting, and ASIC reselling. Bitcoin mining is only getting bigger and so is Compass. Compass is adding over 280 megawatts worth of hosting capacity this year alone with more to come. That's over six times the current hosting capacity. So with Compass, you can go and select a new mining machine or use the Compass Marketplace to purchase a secondhand machine. So with Compass, anyone can mine Bitcoin. Start mining your own Bitcoin by visiting compassmining.io. And now onto the show with John. John, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be back. So, John, a lot has happened since the last time you were on the show. You are now working with Sensei, and you've got this uh, new you know, lightning node and interface that you've got to present and talk about. And, yeah, do you want to just maybe tell us a little bit about uh, the journey for yourself uh, in terms of uh, how you got to where you are now since the last time we spoke, since you were, uh, you know, cracking Alastair Milne's 12-word seed? Yeah, it has been a while. Um, and it, it all actually tells a good story in a way that, you know, I, I got here kind of by following that path. And so I think the last time we talked was, yeah, we talked about cracking that seed word. And I was also working at the time on um, that juggernaut project. I don't know if you're, if you remember that, but um, basically that was what you see with Sphinx and um, Zion and a couple of these other lightning apps where they're kind of using key send payments over the lightning network to transmit data. And so I was kind of playing around with a lot of, you know, that technology and kind of seeing what you could build with that. And so I was doing the chat with Juggernaut. And I don't know if you saw last summer, I think I did a prototype of a project I was calling the world computer as just kind of a joke at Ethereum. But uh, the idea was using that same key send technology. And instead of sending chat messages, you were sending uh, HTTP requests and responses. So you could kind of model kind of HTTP or how the, a lot of the internet works uh, over Lightning. And so that was sort of an experiment where you could monetize any any API service essentially using this uh, key send technology. But one thing I kept coming back to with both of those projects was this onboarding problem of like, okay, so I'm building this app on top of Lightning, which means my user needs to have, A, they need to have Bitcoin. They need to have a Bitcoin node running. They need to have a Lightning node running. They need to open some channels. They need to have liquidity and then they need to hear about my app and they need to get my app and they need to connect their note. It's just like, you know, if you want to get a user on one of these apps, it it takes 10,000 steps for this person to get on. And so, you know, it's just, you're never going to reach 
it just felt like it, it, maybe we're too early or like, yeah, someday maybe when lightning is more ubiquitous, these apps would be more feasible or, you know, and so it basically the, at the end of the day, it led me down this path of, well, let me focus my time on this onboarding problem because it just seems like it's sort of, that's where we're at currently. We need to, we need to make this onboarding as easy as possible. How are we going to bring the world to lightning? Right. And so as part of that, I just, had to keep going deeper and deeper into lightning and actually make sure I understand how it's all working. And that sort of led me to this, um, to the projects that kind of spiral or then square crypto has been funding. So the Bitcoin development kit and the lightning development kit, for those who don't know, those are just two software projects that make it easier for developers to build apps that interface with Bitcoin uh, and the lightning network. Um, and so I kind of went deep on those and ended up applying and getting a grant through the Spiral grant program to kind of work with these two libraries together. Um, and so they've been spending years of time and uh, energy developing these libraries um, and no one was really using them together. And so it would be nice if you were building a Bitcoin wallet or a Bitcoin application with the Bitcoin development kit that it would work really well in tandem with the Lightning development kit. And because these projects are sort of developed completely, well, not completely, but mostly in isolation. And so some, some of my work has been to kind of explore building using both of those. And so the kind of culmination of that is what is now being called Sensei, which is a Lightning node implementation that is built on top of both of those projects. So the Bitcoin development kit and the Lightning development kit. Excellent. And just for people who aren't familiar, what is BDK and what is LDK? If you could just give a, a beginner's explanation of what those are. Yeah, sure. So let's start with the BDK. So BDK is the Bitcoin Development Kit. It's it's written in Rust, though they have bindings for other languages. Um, but the, the core idea is if you're a developer and you want to build a Bitcoin wallet or any other application that interfaces with the Bitcoin network. So that sort of means it either talks uh, the peer-to-peer network or it needs to to create and sign Bitcoin transactions or manage UTXOs or all the other handful of things that an application might need to do that wants to, I don't know a better way to say it, I guess, interface with Bitcoin. There is just a lot that you would need to build as a developer, right? You need to be able to connect to the Bitcoin network. You need to be able to fetch blocks. You need to be able to create and sign transactions, which in of itself can be very complicated. Like how do you select UTXOs and UTXO management? So there's just like an endless list of things that you need to implement. And instead of having every single developer needing to kind of re-implement this from scratch, the Bitcoin Development Kit provides some nice abstractions around those concepts to make it a lot easier to work with. And one of the most important things that it provides is sort of peace of mind. Like when you're working with people's money, it's a little scary. You know, it's scary. You don't want to have a bug that causes someone to lose money. And so when you're working with these projects, you can... You know, it's not a hundred percent guarantee, but you're you feel a lot better that there's you know a handful of experts uh, and people looking at this project, making sure that it's safe. And so you can kind of you know again, we don't want to trust, not verify, but at some level you have to um, you have to trust a little bit. And so it helps you just be more confident and not have to deal with all the minutia and low level details of of wiring together and signing Bitcoin transactions. And so it's sort of a toolkit for developers. To, to do just that, to, to work with Bitcoin. Yeah. So it can be understood as like a way that, let's say you want to create a Bitcoin app without necessarily doing all the low-level details, as you were saying, of mm-hmm. how, to, how the transaction should be crafted and constructed. You can leave some of the heavy lifting to BDK and you're mm-hmm. working at a higher level or higher layer in the stack, as it were. Yeah, it's a lot like any library you use. The idea is like you can abstract away a lot of the details and not have to worry about the low level implementation details. You can just focus on, you know, your application and the business level kind of business or application level um, details that are important to you. Um, so it just lets you work way faster with more confidence. Yeah. And now if you could uh, just give a quick overview for LDK as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's sort of the same concept, except the lightning network is even more complicated, I would say than just plain Bitcoin network because it's a whole separate, peer-to-peer network, a whole nother protocol that needs to be communicated and followed. And so basically, it, again, it provides the building blocks and high-level abstractions around the core components of the Lightning Network. And so if you want to build an app, an application uh, or a wallet that can operate over the Lightning Network, whether that's send and, you know, send and receive payments, open and close channels, send and receive messages over key send, whatever it might be, uh, the Lightning 
development kit will make it, you know, it just makes it easier for developers to add that kind of functionality to their applications. Excellent. And so now where does Sensei come into the picture? Like what is Sensei and what do you see people using it for? Yeah. So Sensei is a Lightning Node implementation. So it's it's built on top of Lightning Development Kit. So I didn't re-implement like all of the protocol level details because that's what the Lightning Development Kit is for. But basically I added a bunch of APIs. So there's the HTTP API, GAPC APIs, as well as encrypting encryption and backup of the keys and and all the kind of things you would expect from like an LND or C Lightning. So it's sort of like in a, I, I sort of look at it like it's a an LND slash C Lightning slash async alternative, but with the LDK and BDK backend. So it's just yet another option for the market, sort of, um, with its own little twist. And so at the highest level, you can think of it like, it, you can think of it and use it like you would LND. It's not as mature, so I wouldn't say go do that today, but the idea is that it is yet another option to run as a Lightning node. Now, with that said, sort of one of the main differentiating features that it showcases, at least you know in V1, uh, is this idea of the lightweight child node. And so that idea I had, I actually had this a long time ago, this idea, and I was going to try to build it in LND, but with LND and C Lightning, and it sort of illustrates the um, sort of one of the main benefits of working with LDK is that you can kind of pick and choose the exact components that you want to work with when you're constructing your your node or your wallet or your application. And so that lets the idea is that with the lightning with a lightning node there are like a bunch of components to 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 work on the lightning network. You need to have, you know, one one is the network graph. And so when a node joins the network, they're broadcasting information about their node and all their channels. And all the nodes on the network that want to be able to route payments need to keep track of this graph. They need to keep track of what other nodes exist, what other channels exist. So if I want to send a payment to you over the Lightning Network and I don't have a channel with you, I need to be able to, you know, or my node needs to be able to compute a, a path to you, right, before I can send you a payment. And so that's like a whole subsystem of the Lightning Network that every node doesn't, one of these lightweight nodes technically doesn't have. You could trust someone to help you route a payment while still being, you know, non-custodial. So the idea was like, I guess that's one component is the network graph. The other thing is like uh, the chain data. So when you're running a lightning node, you need to monitor the base Bitcoin layer chain to make sure that someone's not trying to close the channel on you or publish an old state and just kind of make sure that things, people aren't doing funny things. And you do that by monitoring the chain. Um, And that's a very, typically a very heavy piece of a lightning node because you need to also be running like a full Bitcoin core node or, or equivalent. And so those are two good examples of pieces of the Lightning Network stack that could be shared, okay? And so that's sort of the, one of the main things that Sensei does is it says, you're going to run a full Sensei node, which is going to run and manage a network graph. It's going to connect to Bitcoin Core and monitor the chain for you. But why not be able to spin up, I don't know, 1,000, 10,000 lightweight nodes that appear to the rest of the peer-to-peer network like regular nodes. They maintain their own channels. They maintain their own on-chain wallet, their own UTXOs, their own keys. As far as anyone is concerned, they are full nodes. The only difference is that they they share the network graph and uh, the chain data of the parent node. And so that's sort of the one of the first of, of many really differentiating features that you'll see with Sensei. And so is, is this kind of focus on this onboarding problem, right? Is like, here's, here's a model that the Uncle Jim model or the Galois money model, you know, where you might know some, like you might not be able to run your own lightning node and manage its uptime and its liquidity. You know, it's, you almost need to be like a sysadmin to be able to, to run and maintain a lightning node, right? Um, and so it's not really going to be for everyone, it seems like, at least not today. Maybe, you know, in 10 years from now, it'll be on your, your router or something and you won't even know you're running one. But uh, today, it, it requires a little bit of expertise to be able to run a lightning node. Um, but you probably know someone, you know, one of your friends, one of your family members, someone in your community that does know how to do this. And so the idea is that maybe you and you trust those people a little bit, right? You trust your friends, you trust your family, you maybe trust some people in your community. That's why they have those labels almost, you know, it's like the definition. And so the idea is you would have someone running a sensei node and then they could maybe spin up, you know, a hundred or a thousand or however many nodes they want and let their friends, family, and local community use it. That's, that's one potential use case. It's not necessarily the only one, but it's sort of, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And if you're familiar with like LND Hub or LNBits, these are other solutions to this problem. 
except those are more just like all the child accounts are just database entries. So there's one lightning node and then they just have records for how many sats everyone has, but they don't exist on the lightning network. They don't have their own channels. They don't, you know, they can't, they're basically just, there's really just one node. So this is sort of like an alternative to it where they actually have a full lightning node and sort of the name sensei is, I think it translates to something like the one who comes before. And sort of the idea is I see this as like a way to onboard new people and then maybe teach them, you know, make it easy for them to become, I don't know, air quotes, true Bitcoiners or something. And someday they could migrate their node and become their own full node. And so that, that flow doesn't exist today. But the idea is that there would be a way to like eject from the Sensei node and take, take it with you and become, you know, you're now running your own node. Uh, let me just summarize a little bit there. So for listeners who are following along. As we've spoken about before, there's concept of, let's call it an Uncle Jim node as uh, popularized by our friend Matt O'Dell. Yeah. And so the idea being you might run the infrastructure for your family and friends. So you might be running a Bitcoin node and they connect their wallet to your Bitcoin node. Mm -hmm. And so in a similar sense, what you're explaining is it's like Sensei is sort of like that, but for lightning nodes in a, in a loose sense. And so previously, as you were saying, somebody could have run, let's say, for example, LND Hub and Blue Wallet. Now, I know Blue Wallet is changing their infrastructure as well, but mm -hmm. previously that was something you could do. You could run LND Hub, which was like a wrapper over LND, which is from Lighting Labs. And so the idea being you could have lots of clients or nephews in the Uncle Jim model. They have an account with your LND Hub server, if you will, and they're like a client or a user. And so in this way, the idea, as I understand you, Sensei is sort of setting up a way to have a shared infrastructure that other clients or child nodes or nephews and nieces in the uncle jim model they can be your nephew or niece they can kind of piggyback off your infrastructure because you're the one watching the bitcoin blockchain to make sure there's been no channel closures or other things going on and you're also helping them in terms of the routing map or the network graph so maybe another example would be if somebody is using let's say phoenix wallet and you're you're offloading some of your route finding to the async node in that example but mm -hmm. in this example now the idea is sensei is going to be something that a lot of people could run, like the more technical person could run that. And then they will find a way, or maybe there are other ways that the child or the the nephews and nieces in this model can connect in and use their wallet uh, and have their own node piggybacking off the sensei. So could you explain a little bit about how that might work? Like how might the child node interact or would it be like an app or how would that look? Yep, for sure. Yeah, so you, you nailed it. That is, those are exactly the models I had in mind. And another potential use case is like another wallet developer who wants to model something like async and Phoenix, they could sort of use Sensei as their backend. That, that's sort of another goal of the project. But like you said, I, I think for now, as in the very early, you know, beta release of Sensei, uh, the child nodes can log in through like a web admin, basically. So when you're running your Sensei node, it exposes a web admin over HTTP that can be visited by any browser. And so when you create these child nodes, you're also, the passphrase the child uses to encrypt their seed data is also used as their login uh, to this node. So they can, in one form of it, they could they could just go to the, go to, you know, navigate to your IP address essentially on the Sensei port and then log in uh, to this admin and manage it that way. But yeah, in, in reality, you know, in the, in the, in the future, um, there would be a companion app that you know wouldn't be called Sensei, but maybe Padawan or something. I don't know, like something about the student, uh, and it would help them really get onboarded to, to Bitcoin. But in the meantime, in the short term, since I don't have a lot of help, I want to make it compatible with things like Zeus uh, and Ride the Lightning and other kind of remote control apps. There's no reason why a lightweight child node can't be remotely controlled uh, by apps like Zeus today. So that that's that would be the short term and longer term. I would hope there's a more customized app that's focused on easing and onboarding new people like pre-coiners to Bitcoin. Yeah. So in your mind, as we were saying, it, this is kind of like the Uncle Jim model. So I presume then the target users of Sensei will be the Uncle Jims out there, the people who want to try to run the infrastructure for their friends and family. Is that that's mainly your target audience here? Not quite. I mean, yeah, that's, as I've been talking, that is, from what everything I've said uh, so far, that is definitely it. It's like the hobbyists, the plebnets, you know, uh, all the people out there, you know, participating in that style today with LND, I think they should give it a try and see if there's something there for them or other use cases I'm not even thinking of um, to take advantage of these lightweight nodes. I have a couple interesting ideas in mind, but at the same time, 
uh, one of the benefits of building on top of VDK and LDK is that I sort of automatically get all of the cool features that they're working on, um, just kind of for free. Um, and so one of those, a lot of those features, as you might imagine, since it's been recently announced that Cash App is using LDK to power their Lightning integration. Um, there are a lot of enterprise-focused features that the LDK team has been working on, and I'm excited to roll, be one of the early users of those features as well and make those available to Sensei users. So I think there's actually going to be, you know, coming down the line, a, a lot of really interesting functionality that kind of businesses who want to offer Lightning can get from Sensei without having to roll their own. So, you know, I think it, it's, I sort of look at it as a way to get a lot of the, the great features and enterprise functionality that LDK will have uh, without having to completely roll your own. So maybe it's like a transitional period. But, you know, the ultimate solution is just to integrate LDK directly and you, you can do it yourself. And if your use case demands it, then that's the way you should go. But maybe this is a way to get started with some of those features without having to kind of build the whole stack first. What platforms is Sensei available for? Well, today it's... Uh, I'm nervous to let people use it. Uh, so right now you have to be able to uh, download and build and run from the source. I haven't published binaries or anything like that. That hopefully will be coming in, in, the, in the coming weeks as I kind of get a little more testing and make sure that you know, I'm comfortable saying, hey, go ahead and actually try this on mainnet. But it will be available for all, all platforms. It should be you know, runnable on uh, Linux, Mac, and Windows and potentially mobile. I haven't tried it yet. But yeah, so the, the big three for sure. How technical do you have to be to use Sensei today? And let's say in the near future, how technical would you have to be? I guess I would say if you can run L&D, you can run Sensei. There's no, it's, it's very much similar to that level of kind of expertise. Um, you need to be able to you know, download the binary, run the binary, you know, uh, use the CLI tool to unlock it or set your passphrase or whatever it might be. Um, it is skewed towards kind of a, a developer uh, as a user because it, it does expose a bunch of APIs that they can use to kind of control it uh, through software or automate it or you know do whatever they might need it to do. But it also has the nice web admin. So it, it is a little bit more user-friendly uh, out of the gate than something like maybe C-Lightning where it's all command line. So it, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of towing the line between you know uh, on how user-friendly it is. And uh, I think... I think the admin, the web, the browser-based admin does does help the less technical user kind of get started. I sort of have been aiming for this idea of like making it similar to WordPress. I don't know if you've you ever tried to install yep. WordPress on a server, but um, sort of like that. You know, they, you can get it installed on a, on a server and they have a nice like onboarding flow and it's relatively easy to use through the web admin. So I'm sort of targeting that, but at the same time, it's more it's it is also flexible and open to someone who is is capable of taking full advantage of the APIs. And as I understand, you are intending to have this built out, or at least try to get support for it into some of the popular Node in a box, Umbral, Raspberry Blitz, etc. That's mm -hmm. that's also your intent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think they're a great way to distribute uh, something like this because those users already have you know Bitcoin Core running, which is going to be a kind of a dependency to get this to get this running and so they also make the, they all have these app stores now that make it really easy to add and so yeah that's for sure coming pretty shortly as soon as i kind of give the thumbs up on the binaries uh, for people to start using it uh, it'll roll out on those stores and i think they're also the target users you know someone who's running an umbral node or raspi blitz or something is definitely the type of person that i want to try out since and just having a look through the documentation i saw references to nigiri uh, so what's nigiri yeah, I, that was actually new to me as of like two weeks ago, um, and I added it because I found it amazingly useful. I almost tried to build a similar tool like a year ago, but basically, Nigiri is a it's a tool that you can run on your machine that makes it really easy to run kind of development servers for Bitcoin and Electrum and a couple other things. I think they support Liquid. So basically, when you want to develop with any of these on top of any of these software, it's kind of a pain because you need to get them all running locally and then be able to like start and stop them on demand and have them all talk to each other all on your local computer. So this just makes it really simple. You just install this one tool and then you can kind of just be like Nagiri start or whatever the command is. Sorry, I'm not super familiar with it actually. Um, and it will start up Bitcoin, it'll start up Electrum, it'll even start up Liquid and they'll all be connected and talking to each other. And it makes it really easy to kind of mine blocks on your network and you know, send send money to a test address, like to fund a wallet and stuff like that. So it just makes uh, local development on Bitcoin super easy. Back to the show in a moment. 
Are you looking at Bitcoin hardware wallets and hardware security? CoinCard.com is the place to check out. They produce the cold card, which is my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet. It looks like a little calculator. You can either direct plug it to your machine if you're a beginner, or you can use a micro SD card to ferry information back and forth if you're intermediate or advanced. Now, there are a range of features. It's very versatile. You can use it in single signature. You can use it as part of a multi-signature setup. You can have a passphrase. You can use a Jures pin. You can have a, a BrickMe pin. And there's all sorts of new features coming with the cold card MK4. So go to coinkite.com and order your cold card and the associated gear, such as your backup seed plates. As Bitcoin's market matures, it's time to think about our security. And with Unchained Capital, they can help you improve your security to multi-signature using collaborative custody. So the point of this is to take away single points of failure. If you leave your coins on the exchange or with a custodian or potentially even with a single signature wallet, you might be vulnerable to that single point of failure. When you have collaborative custody, you have two hardware wallets and Unchained is holding the third key in that scenario. They can sign for you. This can give you that additional peace of mind and help you sleep more easily at night, knowing that one error is not going to catastrophically lose you all your coins. With Unchained, they've got a concierge onboarding program where they will ship you some hardware wallets, they'll teach you, they'll educate you, and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. So go to unchained.com, use the code Levera for the concierge onboarding program to get a discount. And finally, Brains.com. They are a Bitcoin mining company and they also operate Slush Pool, which is the first Bitcoin mining pool. And they are hosting a Bitcoin mining conference. I'll be there and I hope to see you guys there also. This is going to be hosted in Prague. It's going to be focused purely on Bitcoin mining and they've even got a motto. No marketing or sales noise, just pure Bitcoin mining signal. They've got elite partners from Block, Upstream Data, Galaxy Digital, Core Scientific, Ride Blockchain, Compass, Atlas Mining, and Priority Power Management. And this event will be live streamed for free on the Bitcoin Magazine stream. It's on the 15th of June, but there will be some side events before and after. Space is extremely limited. There will only be about 350 or 400 tickets. Join the waiting list on the Brains website or go to btcminingconference.com. Back to the show. So it's like an easy way to package together some key pieces, Bitcoin D, Electrum, Explorer. Yep. And uh, then the user is able to quickly spin this up and then they want to connect it to the, all the other pieces. Yeah, so I think the other interesting aim is this idea of trying to get everyone onto the Lightning Network. So it's interesting because there's this whole range of possibilities of ways that people are getting onto the lightning network and in look let's be honest in many cases a lot of them are coming in custodial but there are others who are coming in and let's say like a hybrid model and then others who are doing the more sovereign set up my own everything node with my own channels and everything so how do you see sensei playing into this and being part of that mix of let's say custody sovereignty options yeah, like you said, there's a lot of options, and I think you know, un maybe unfortunately or maybe not, I don't know. The the for the vast majority of people today, it's going to be through like a cash app in a custodial manner, and I I think that's okay, you know, in the short term. And I think what's really important about about Bitcoin or you know Bitcoin in general is just that it's an option, right? It always needs to be an option for people to opt out or to exit uh, these custodial situations uh when they need to um or ideally before they need to i guess when they you know when they're ready to um and so for me it's it's always it, i guess it's just that it's it's making sure that the option is there when they're ready and making that transition as smooth as possible and like you saw on one of you know i think we messaged a little bit about my thread of onboarding the um, the entire world obviously you know in today with today's tech and readiness of of the lightning network we can't really onboard the entire world immediately it's going to take a long time and you know that's why i said maybe it's fortunate that you know a lot of people are using we'll start with custodial solutions because if if tomorrow 7 billion people wanted to use the lightning network non custodially i think we'd be in, in a little bit of a little have a little bit of a problem and so i i think i, I think in the short term we need these custodial solutions as sort of a crutch and you know as and let people like let it be more of a slow drip onto non-custodial bitcoin and in the long run i think you know maybe it won't even be for everyone you know i don't know maybe people are some for some reason are okay trusting cash app or the their government or whatever it might be um and they just want to be able to you know uh, interact with the rest of the world uh, once we've all transitioned to lightning 
so how I think about Sensei is sort of exactly that same mindset of like, as of today, it's actually the child nodes are custodial uh, with the admin node. And so it's not ideal. And I don't, I don't particularly like it, but it's an easy way to start. And the idea is exactly how I outlined, like outlined is, is that I want to make it the steps from a, from sort of the pre-coiner all the way to a, you know, being an uncle Jim yourself to, to be easy as possible. And so I think people are going to kind of go on their own, their own journey and at their own speed. And I, I hope that Sensei and the suite of products around it can help them take that journey. So at a high level, I guess that's how, how I answered it. And so just as an example, let's say using the Sensei Uncle Jim mental model here, let's say some users are coming in and they want to be a child node on your Sensei. How is it going to work in terms of swapping in and swapping out? Like as an example, there are other wallets and LSPs, Lightning Service Providers, who help with these kinds of things where maybe they'll offer let's say, some kind of turbo channel capacity, or in this case where, let's say, you have a lightning balance, but you need to spend out into a Bitcoin balance, they mm-hmm. offer things like a submarine swap or some kind of partnership where they help you do that. So that way, the user just gets a nice experience where they can just pay one QR code and they don't really think about it. But actually, in the background, there's all this technical wizardry going on. So how are you thinking about that from a sensei point of view, let's say, uh, being able to swap in and out of lightning? Yeah, I think you hit on a bunch of things there. And I think one other thing, you know, one angle of Sensei, and I think in general, is the Sensei node will have to operate more of what people have been calling, well, this term is now being debated a bit, but an LSP or a Lightning Service Provider. And the idea being that there's a lot of things you can do to ease the onboarding of new Lightning users. And as you mentioned, these these swaps are sort of, you know, one of the one of the one great tool to use to, to onboard a user. So they could deposit Bitcoin. So you can show them a, a regular Bitcoin address, on-chain Bitcoin address, that when they send their Bitcoin to it, it actually at the same time is doing an atomic swap and you are and the service is opening a lightning channel for the same amount to them. And so they're sort of funding their lightning channel by funding their wallet essentially. And I think this is a great step. And I think you see Moon Wallet kind of does this, though it's a little unclear to me, at least exactly what they're doing. But it's something along these lines, and the idea is that yeah, when I when I deposit my funds, I'm actually funding my Lightning channel, and they're opening it to me. And and you can do other tricks like uh, use zero comp channels in this case, like a tur- I think that's what you described as a turbo channel. Turbo uh, channel. Yeah, it's yep. becoming more formalized now. What like actually into the spec what a zero comp channel is, and so that. That would also mean that they don't have to wait the you know three or six confirmations to start using the channel. And so this would be like, I deposit the money into my two of two multi-sig with, with my, my uncle Jim, and he immediately opens a zero comp channel to me uh, with the same amount of liquidity pointing towards me. Um, and so I can then transact over Lightning uh, essentially instantaneously um, because there's a little bit of trust there with, with the uncle Jim. So essentially, Sensei software... Sensei node runners can kind of become like an LSP for their child nodes. And maybe even that's a monetization model there for them to think about in the future that they can say, okay, you can be a child node of of mine and I'll be your swap provider. And I'll obviously take a fee for that. Or, you know, they might do something around the channel fees, let's say the routing fees. And maybe that's their model for monetizing this or just to at least, at least to recoup their costs of channel fees when they're opening things and closing things. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot, like I alluded to, the, the all the feature, a lot of the features coming down the, the pipe are around this LSP idea, um, because I think, like I also said originally, is I want to focus on the onboarding flows, and a lot of this is around opening channels, providing liquidity, rebalancing channels, and making sure that all of that is as hidden essentially from the user as possible. I think you know, at the end of the day, I'd I'd prefer a light, uh, you know, a air quotes, lightning wallet or a Bitcoin wallet that never mentioned lightning or never mentioned channels. I don't think the average user is ever going to need, like, want to care about that stuff and shouldn't have to. They just want to be like, I'm in this Bitcoin economy and I want to be able to send and receive money for goods and services that I want. And I don't really care you know, about submarine swaps or splicing my channels or rebalancing my channels. There's no way that that, that should be present uh, in a in the UI, and so I think as you know, a longer run goal of of Sensei, and I think just the whole community should strive for that. But uh, is to have wallets where all that stuff is removed. You know, you can, you're always going to have the power users who want to have that control, and there'll be there'll be plenty of services and wallets for those users. But 
I think there needs to be a, a strong focus on wallets that kind of don't even ever mention Lightning. I think it's it's probably a mistake. One area that some users might be thinking is privacy. What kind of privacy implications would there be for, let's say, the child node user on a Sensei uh, node? Is it basically that they, I mean, as I, I'm just, again, my mental model here is I'm thinking of, let's say, the Phoenix user on Async. Async knows where all the payment's going, obviously. Is it a similar kind of model then in the Sensei project? Yeah, I mean, as of today, and I think in the long run, there'll always be some privacy trade-offs because even if it became non-custodial, the whole point of the lightweight nodes is that they are they are sharing some information with the parent node. And so there is that privacy trade-off for sure. But I actually was, I've been thinking maybe there's some interesting privacy use cases for Sensei actually where the person running Sensei spins up tons of child nodes that are actually theirs and they do, they're all connected through Tor. And so from the outside world, it looks like you have a thousand entities, but it's all really you. And so maybe there are, there are cool tools and privacy uh, enhancing ways to use Lightning that way. You know, right now it's hard to spin up tons of nodes. And so, you know, it's almost like without, you know, the, the whole Bitcoin layer one, like don't reuse addresses. Well, maybe someday like don't reuse public keys, your node pub key on Lightning or something. I don't know. Like you, you, you always iterate to sure. a new node, but it's more complicated than that, obviously, because you need channels. And so it might be expensive to kind of set something up uh, like that. Yeah. And it could also be that, let's say, in the same way that like a lot of users who are all using the same VPN, in some sense, they're creating an anonymity set for, for one another, that if there's mm-hmm. lots of users all using that same VPN or maybe in a similar analogy is like uh, people who are like coin join anonymity sets. So maybe it's there's actually some level of hiding in, in a crowd. Let's say you've got one sensei node and there's hundreds of child nodes off, off of that, piggybacking off that sensei, then that's actually in some way masking some of that behavior perhaps. Yeah, yeah it's, it's possible. Yeah. I haven't really thought too much about those sure. angles, but yeah, yeah, I think I think something like that. Yeah. Could... Because you, they would still have each of their own unique channels. So I guess when they're receiving, it's a different thing, but when they're paying, maybe there's something there. And also another question I've got just around routing. So typically the way things work, if you are, let's say, as an example, in some of these lightning wallets that are operating a little bit of a hybrid model or some kind of a phone wallet lightning, they generally will not route payments as in they will not be a routing node, as in other people will not be routing payments through them. They will just be paying only. They're mm-hmm. a paying person only. Generally, or They can pay or receive, but they're not routing. They're not being the, the route through which other payments go through, right? right? So is that still going to be true in the sensei and child node case or is actually like your child node can still be routing payments um your child node can route payments yeah for sure okay so that's an important difference then yeah that's one of the differences it doesn't have to though like you could have a model where the sensei just has all its channels open uh, or like all the child nodes are opened a channel only to the sensei like a parent node and in that case you would end up looking a lot like these mobile uh, clients you talked about where all the mobile users are just kind of these leaf nodes but uh, there's nothing stopping a lightweight node today from opening their own set of channels and then they could use those for routing for sure gotcha with the broader I guess, Lightning Network, onboarding a lot of people. I'd love to chat a little bit about that thread you did. And uh, listeners, I will put that in the show notes. So that'll be stefanlevera.com slash 353 for this one. Um, Have a look. Uh, But uh, you were chatting a little bit about what exactly it would take, like hypothetically, if we were to onboard everyone on Earth, Mm -hmm. almost 8 billion of us now, uh, and... You know, if you could just t- tell us a little bit and explain a little bit what that would look like and you know some of the high-level numbers, I've got them here if you don't have them off the top of your head. Yeah, I can pull it up. I think I have it up. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously, it was a bit of a hypothetical. There's a lot of assumptions in there that aren't very realistic, but it was sort of a thought experiment to say, just to try to understand how much time and space it really would take to onboard the entire Earth uh, onto Lightning, like on a Lightning channel. Um, and to get a sense for the magnitude of those numbers and then kind of think, well, what can we do to reduce that? And if, if, like we mentioned earlier, like if we really did need to onboard 7 billion people tomorrow, what would that look like and what would happen? And, you know, what realistically in the, in the future, what, what, you know, what's coming to, to help us with that problem. And so if you look at the base case of just, you know, a simple channel open, for those who don't know, a channel open is basically just you fund a two of two multi-sig 
uh, address. Um, and so it's a single Bitcoin transaction. It can be as little as one input and one output. So you fund, the input is funding the channel and the output is sort of this two of two multi-sig that it represents the funds in the channel uh, while the channel is open. And so that takes up a certain amount of space. I think it's, I don't know, pull it up, like 121, 121 yeah, bytes. Yeah. And so again, there's, there's some assumptions there already, like that you're using a native SegWit input and uh, that's the only input and the only output. Usually you have a change output. So there's already some you know grace taken to say like, what is the like minimum size today? Anyways, if you if you filled a block which has a limited block size with these these transactions, I think it would be about eighty two hundred people can open a channel in a single block of lightning. Which means with the seven point seven billion people, it would take roughly eighteen years for everyone on Earth to open a lightning channel. Um, and again, the massive assumptions there are that you can consume a hundred percent of the block space without problems. So that seems like, you know, it's not a really reasonable um, assumption because Bitcoin is a global phenomena that is being used by all sorts of people for all sorts of use cases. And you can't just be like, okay, we're going to take the next 18 years and only open channels uh, with all the block space. And so it's, but again, it's a rough, you know, it's an extremely rough estimate and 18 years, you know, it's, Honestly, if we if if that was the goal for hyper Bitcoinization, you told me in eighteen years everyone would be on Lightning, I'd be like, that's you know, that seems good enough today. But luckily, we can do a lot better. And so the the simplest way to improve this is with something that we could do today. Um, and it's actually really well, it's not really easy to do. I hope Sensei makes it really easy to do. But is batch channel opens. And so basically, you've heard of like batch transaction batching. Like oh, we used to have this this problem where like exchanges wouldn't batch withdrawals. They'd basically Every time you ask to withdraw from an exchange, they would send a single transaction to you. And so this was like cluttering the block space and causing you know, fee spikes and whatever. Um, but eventually, I think nowadays, most businesses and exchanges use batch transactions, which is basically they send from one input and then you know they add a thousand outputs so they can do a, do a thousand withdraws in a single Bitcoin transaction. So this saves a ton of space. And so you can kind of do the same thing with the Lightning uh, lightning opening, uh, like a channel opening transaction. So you can have one, you know, again, you, a, an exchange could do this, right? They could say you want to withdraw to a lightning channel. And so they could batch a thousand users or 10,000 users or whatever the number is. Let me see. But, um, and basically they have one input, which is from their cold storage or hot wallet, whatever of the exchange. And all each output is one of these two of two multi-sigs and it, re- it represents a lightning channel between two users. And so you could then fit, this basically means each output is only 32 V-bytes. So instead of 121 V-bytes per channel, it's now down to 32 V-bytes. And so this lets us do something like 31,000 channels per block. And so that's with this batch channel opening where one transaction is opening thousands of channels. Um, And so if you filled 100% of the block space with these types of transactions, it gets down to just under five years, uh, 4X improvement basically, if we use batch channel openings. And this doesn't require any new soft forks, any new tech, just kind of same old uh, Bitcoin transactions, but using this batching idea. And five years really is a lot better. Again, you know, we can't use 100% of the block space for this, but conceivably, if it's really going to be, you know, the next 20 years, 50 years to really onboard the earth, maybe we can eke out five years worth of, um, of block space or block time. I don't know how you ever want to call it to open people uh Open lighting, open these lighting channels. So, so that's kind of promising to me. That seems like you know that seems doable. And again, not all seven billion people are going to want to want to do non-custodial lightning, right? There's going to be some large percentage of people that probably stick to custodial solutions, and they're not going to be part of this. And and like I said, they'll probably be spread out over much longer than five years. So I, I think even with just batch channel opening, we could probably onboard a, a significant portion of the Earth to lightning today. And then I go on. I don't know if you want me to continue with what another. Yeah, no, I'd love to talk about the the uh, the multi-party channel yeah. uh, part of it as well. Yeah. So this one's cool. So basically, now that we have snore signatures and can do music, um, which is a way to aggregate signatures essentially in a in a Bitcoin transaction or in a UTXO, you can have multiple people. So basically, a multi-party channel would be normally it's a two of two uh, multi-sig where there's two people in the channel, right? It's between me and you. We open a channel and it's just the two of us and we fund a two of two multi-sig. In a multi-party channel, it's the same thing as a multi-sig, you know, that you're used to where it's instead of two of two, you could have 
10 of 10, 100 of 100, you could have up to a thousand. You know, there's really no limit, I don't think, that I can think of. is probably a practical limit, but a, there's no theoretical limit to how many people you could put in a multi-party channel. And these multi-party channels, because of the signature aggregation, they still just take up that single 32-byte output. And so this like really scales the how many people you can onboard in a single transaction in a single block because you could theoretically you could fit the whole world in one transaction but you know they'd all be in a single channel and it would be so i guess the the trade-off here that we're not talking there's a couple things i'm not talking about here that are, you know a lot of people were mad at me or you know said this isn't really this isn't really the case uh is that a it's really complicated there's actually nothing stopping multi-party channels from existing in today's with today's Bitcoin, like without any soft forks, we could actually get this. It becomes a bit of an engineering challenge because it's already quite complicated to negotiate all the communication and logistics of a two-person channel. And so as you continue to add people to these channels, there's just a lot of shared state that needs to be moved around in the right order and everything signed correctly. And it's just a lot logistically to actually implement especially with the way the lightning works today where you have this penalty mechanism. So basically the security of lightning comes down to the fact that, uh, well, it's not the only thing, but one, one major aspect of it is that if someone tries to broadcast an old state, you can penalize them by broadcasting a penalty transaction that steals all their money. Um, and so there's sort of this disincentive to cheat on lightning because you're going to lose all your money. And this actually introduces a lot of complexity into like the Bitcoin scripts that are used and kind of the state that you have to maintain. And this sort of grows exponentially as you try to add more people to a channel. So it's theoretically possible, but it's definitely very complicated uh, to pull off. But luckily in the future, uh, there's an improvement proposed called L2, built differently than the L2. Uh... E-L-T-O-O, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I mean, it was too confusing. But yeah, so basically there's an improvement to Lightning um, that hopefully will come uh, that removes this penalty mechanism and makes it a lot simpler to implement Lightning and will make doing these multi-party channels a lot simpler. And so we'll probably see people start to experiment with them. And so right there, if you had, if you basically, if you had 10 people per channel, so 10 of 10 multi-sigs in each transaction, now you take that five years and you take it down to half a year. To onboard the whole world. So these can really potentially scale the onboarding of people to Lightning, though it's a little bit of a different use case because a multi-party channel is slightly, it's sort of different. You need all these people to kind of, like, instead of just opening with one person, you need to be able to like communicate. And uh, you know, I think there's like a social aspect that it needs to be figured out to support like 100 people in a channel. You need someone to coordinate this. So I don't know, maybe we need software like, like Wasabi or something that's coordinating these coin joins. We'll coordinate these channel openings between thousands of people. So There'll be some creative software and solutions we'll probably see once L2 comes. But at the end of the day, it does make it extremely easy to onboard these people. Uh, what One piece of information I left off is that it makes it, you, you basically just push the problem down the road to channel closing. So at the end of the day, everyone sort of needs their own UTXO. Like if you're not controlling your UTXO, then what are you really, you know, what do you really own? And so in this multi-party channel case, you're sort of sharing this one UTXO with 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people. And that's fine while it's locked in the multi-sig and you're using it for lightning. But what happens when you want to get out of this? You want to close the channel and you want to go back to Bitcoin. Well, now you each each of those 10, 100 or 1,000 people are going to need their own UTXO again. And so you sort of push the problem of onboarding to offboarding. Like how do you close lightning channels? You run into the same uh, scalability problem there. So maybe the answer is you just don't close these very often and people just kind of always operate within one of these big lightning pools or something. I'm not, I'm not sure what the future will look like, but it is definitely an interesting um, thing to explore. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. And so, yeah, maybe it ends up being some kind of thing where you have to close out of one multi-party channel and enter into some other multi-party channel so that way you're, you know so maybe there's some kind of management way to oh yeah that's cool yeah like like you all you're you're moving into another group of a thousand people yeah you're just like always using like a thousandth of a utxo or something i don't know yeah i don't know i mean if if we were really going to get that crazy and like that far out because even the utxo set is one of the things yep. that's hard to mm -hmm. scale as well so that part so i mean also a lot of this stuff we've been talking about is just how how like just the channel opening part of it and channel mm -hmm. close part i guess 
But then you've also we also have to think about well, what if they're rebalancing channels? What if they're swapping in and out and all of these things? But you know, we have to I guess have confidence in uh, the talent of the engineers and the entrepreneurs who are building solutions around this. And of course, like like we were saying at the start, it's a lot of people will be coming in custodial. They're not going to start mm-hmm. non-custodial. So the point, the important part is really that they could self-custody and if they needed to. So um, that's probably the yeah, the, I guess the ultimate point. So just to round out the discussion, do you want to just tell us a little bit about, so we've spoken about Sensei. Can you tell us about L2, uh, This, as in not uh, now it's this L2, the number, uh, L2 technology, and you've got the L2 BTC. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Is that a project or what's the... Yeah, what's it sounds like a bad name. It sounds like it. Uh, Odell also already called me out on it. I think we have too many L2s now. So yeah, maybe I'll rename it. But the idea is... Um, I just wanted to create a like a, a wrapper or parent organization around around Sensei and the suite of like products and services that I have in mind. Um, so it's sort of like a, a lab style company and basically just focused on layer two tech and ex- accelerating the adoption of Bitcoin. Um, and Sensei is sort of the first of hopefully uh, many uh, things to come. And it's just sort of a way to give it some structure. So there will be some some services around uh, maybe like LSP style services that will will come down the line. Um, but I'm also interested in exploring other layer two techs. So Lightning is just sort of the most prominent one today. But, you know, there's things like state chains and uh, the Chamian Federated Mints uh, that are being worked on behind the scenes. Uh, there's also this, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Nostra project that has gained a little bit of stream, steam uh, recently. And so I have my eyes on all these things and I'm trying to figure out what makes sense and how to tie them into Lightning and Bitcoin in general and how they might help with general Bitcoin adoption. And so it's sort of just an umbrella to contain all of these these projects that I hope to work on. Excellent. And so for listeners who want to get involved or contribute in some way or get in touch with you, what's the best way mm-hmm. for them to get into it? I do have DMs open on Twitter. So at John Kintrell 97 um, I also hang out mostly in the BDK and LDK uh, Slack and Discord channels. So come on over there if you're interested in those projects. Always always happy to, to help if I can. Yeah, those would be the two, the two main ways. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining me. I enjoyed the chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hope we get you to talk again soon. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 353. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the Citadels.